This is a Socialist News and Views special interview. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. A note, this interview was recorded in January, but fortunately or unfortunately, majority of the information is still really relevant. So let's go straight to the interview. On Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. You want to just tell us quick who you are? Yeah. Uh, so my name's Justin, Justin Lee. My handle on Twitter is Daily Jaylee. Um, I think that's probably how you found me. I'll give you a, a little quick background, you know, because I think yeah. my handle can be a little cryptic. Um yeah. You know, undergrad, I studied electrical engineering and math. So I think I kind of bring a, a mathy perspective to it. Sure. Um, I worked for a little bit in different things like construction. I tutored a little bit. And then um, I went back to school. So actually, I went to Syracuse for law. Um, so I got a JD and an MBA. Um, but while I was there, I got a, a degree in healthcare management and policy from the Maxwell School. Sure. And it's interesting. So I get that right in 2017. I graduate 2018. Um, I'm licensed to practice in New York. But as a as the pandemic kind of hits, I mean, for me, it was, Co you know, Kobe had just passed. And mm. I think the first words really come after Kobe. Um, you know, I'm a little bit of a sports fan. Um, so, I mean, I thought it was just time to kind of mix the advocacy skills with what I thought public health was, you know, because. Yeah, right. You know, my understanding of public health was a much broader term of it's more idyllic or we don't know exactly. It's amorphous. It's an amorphous term. Right. But for me, it's an it's an education package or it's a trying to warn people of something. Um, you know, I guess one of my first main points that you had me think about was um, we want to be in a more cooperative alignment as as opposed to coercion. Right. You know, the fight over mandates regardless of what the mandate was for is going to exist because of a a coercion control some people will buck that regardless you know right. no matter how worth it the mandate is or how important the mandate is so i mean that yeah that's a little bit that was my background and then i've just been um because my girlfriend she's also a lawyer she's doing a lot of the work but i was kind of in between so it just gave me a lot of time to research and you know right I've well, I think a, I think a math it, background you. I think a math background is probably key actually because most people can't think of it uh, probably the way that people that have a math background do I don't I I, I don't but I still I still uh, you know I come from I'm a certified public health nurse as well um, so and I worked in you know before I was a nurse I was uh, uh, one of the support staff in the mental health uh, area of the hospital working with the nurses and, you know, working directly with, I basically did everything the nurses did, except gave, didn't give medications and, you know, I didn't chart it as much, but, um, you know, yeah. I think one of the most concerning things, and, and you can tell me, you know, all your, one of the most concerning um, reports I've seen recently, I think it's pre-publication. It's going to be published next month was a, was a, was theoretical biology. It was, I think it was in the journal of theoretical biology. So it was all mathematics and it was basically the long and short of it was, the models during the, um, you know, past years of the pandemic period, as we look at the uh, supposed endemic period that we're going to be moving into, or they keep saying we're moving into, 
those numbers are essentially the same <laughs> under, you know, a given set of circumstances, they say, you know, and I think even there's, I think even their, um, uh, their assumptions and their, uh, and what they took as givens, they might've even been like kind of conservative. Like, you know, I think they put, they put vaccine efficacy at like 80%, which I think it's <laughs> slightly above that at the start, you know, and then it sinks to below that at some point that we're still trying to, uh, to figure out exactly. And then, you know, the number of imported cases per day, they set at a certain constant. Anyway, they set all these constants and they also had, I think a lot more faith that, uh, that governments would bring in certain mitigation measures as cases climbed, which some may, and I think some may not as we're, uh, as we're seeing. So I think, you know, their predictions that, you know, kind of pandemic levels could carry on for a significant period of time. You know, they might've even underestimated that. I think that's one of the more concerning ones I've seen recently. Like I said, it isn't even, it isn't even out yet. Obviously we know about the, you know, the body system uh, component, the, um, you know, the, increased risks with, you know, seeing increased risk with multiple, um, infections and reinfections. So I don't know, you know, what are people around you specifically and in your life, like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing as the most, uh, common misconceptions and, uh, biggest concerns you have and what, you know, what are you telling people? What are you, uh, what's your message and that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll try to follow up on what you said a little bit. I mean, for me, it is a challenging time. I think the pendulum has really swung in terms of mitigations to we're using a lot of bravado that we want to shrug mitigations or the, you know, the, the mitigations are the problem and the COVID has been dealt with. Right. Um, and so I live in a pretty like my particular, you know, our little pod or bubble, like we're very safe or we practice a lot of safety. Um but people around us are the opposite. So I think that's where I get some of the, some of the practice, like understanding also that side. I mean, I think it's important to try to meet people where they are or understand. Um, right. Because it's been three years, there's so much different information out there that you might've mm -hmm. gotten it at one point. You might've followed COVID for the first year and a half and then you stopped. Right. Or you didn't really follow it and you just picked up you know, you got infected in the in the winter. So now you just started paying attention. So I think a lot of people are coming from um, different points. I think, you know, it, the thing with math, right? So I would say past performance does not predict future results. So right. my approach really in the beginning was look at it totally new. I, I don't I didn't want to pin it to a certain field of viruses. Um, you know, 1918, like, that has nothing to do with this. You know, there's, right. you know, we're a hundred years later. So I think we got really stuck in the textbooks um, because that's who we had in place. We were like, well, it looks, you know, uh, it was almost like the the first impressions of the pandemic. You never get a second chance to make that first. You know, <laughs> right. Over here, we compared it to flu in other countries. They said, well, it looks like SARS-1, mm -hmm. you know, how, how the initial response was going to go. Um, so I, I do think the assumptions and everything that people have out there is, um, they're, they're vast. I mean, some of it is, I don't know if it's not mythology or wives tales, but, um, it's just very hard to navigate right now. So I, I was going to ask, you said, what is, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of trouble access, even, you know, even kind of like accessing the information. And I don't mean that they can't find it out on the internet, but like a lot of these studies are not the most, uh, easy to understand even for me sometimes when I read like the one about the increased risk of death with reinfection when I was you know reading through that it's not like 
it doesn't jump out at you right away. So if I was, you know, if I didn't have some training, I probably wouldn't have necessarily like, you know, picked up on yeah. all the stuff it's saying right away. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I think that we're, we're actively looking, you know, I think the reason that you and I are even, you know, sharing this conversation is because we're checking the pre, you know, checking the preprints, uh, right. reading other countries, health agency information, reading right. their, their data and their vaccine statistics. So, I mean, I think that, the difference is we're looking and I think that because, you know, we hook up on through a Twitter platform that we might be in a very small percentage of people. Right. Because when I get out there to the regular, the people that don't have the time or are not as that, you know, the education has been so poor from the government to just let us like oh, yeah. throw us to the wolves because it's, I hear so much about people dealing with infections, dealing with post COVID syndromes and just had, you know, no idea or, you know, didn't have the latest information or how to treat it or, you know. Right. Um, I, I went onto the Minnesota website because I was like, what? Because I, I try to make fun of the web pages for being so poor and clicking through like three links. I mean, we could uh, maybe do it at the end. Yeah. But, um, okay. I was just going to I mean, I go through three links and it's just the information is so bad right there. I mean, the first link punts to the CDC's community levels. Right. The second link on the vaccines goes into some equivocation they said all information subject to change they don't even know what the primary series is so this is the you're talking about the minnesota department of health COVID pages is yeah. that what we're looking okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i was just on their homepage because i just want to yeah. see you're in minnesota so i was trying to yeah, yeah, yeah you know look at that stuff there so it's just we've given people so such few tools there right um you know i think one of my main one of my main messages for an ind for individuals is probably like the thought of an onboarding process. Um, the the thought of forming a bubble. So you're trying to get over the latency period. People get infected with COVID and they become contagious or don't really turn symptomatic right away. Right. So this is the whole issue. If, if we could see that people were sick, we would be able to do this. You know, right. stay, if sick, stay home, that would get it done. But this has a different profile where it is extremely contagious without that obvious, right. you know, symptom side of it. And I feel like from an evolutionary perspective, you could see there's an adaptation here. You know, this virus is very stealth with that move. Right. Um, so our my goal with an onboarding period, like, let, let me dodge that move. And I wish I can't do it myself. Like, I don't have ex experiments going or anything. But there's some period, if it's five days, 10 days, 14, 32, that would, right. that would get over a latency period for, let's say 95% of the population, 80% of the population, some, some kind of magic number that would allow you to kind of shirk and not pull it into the next activity. Right. And, and I think, I mean, people, the thing with the whole mask fighting is that we're not wearing them all the time. I mean, the ask isn't to wear them all the time. It's to right. wear them in overlapping social circumstances indoors. But if you're forming this bubble and then everyone has kind of cleared, once you're inside, I think if you're going to drop shielding anyways, drop shielding in the bubble. Right. You know, because we're trying to we're trying to confirm using the tools supposedly, but I, I try to advocate for a sequence of limiting contacts, shielding if you have to. You could probably do a little entry test. Why not? And um, and then gather and have your, you know, close closer social setting. Um you know, we should do this in mass for the holidays. I mean, this should be right. a national, this should have been a national practice. Right. Going to Thanksgiving and Christmas one week before, you know, everybody 
start start like limiting to your household if you can. Right. I mean, and, and I see, mean, that's I guess, the other, see, that's the other piece, you know, as more and more people get sick and they're, you know, suffering, people are, you know, now they're visiting people in the hospitals. There's, you know, there's people, you know, that have older relatives that they're visiting and, you know, uh, nursing home settings, which again is like one, you know, was one of the huge spreaders. And I think is still like, if you look at Japan recently is still one of the huge, uh, areas. So as far, at least as far as data for, you know, how, um, you know, that, that's the other thing they've been scaling back the data, unfortunately, uh, you know, so we don't even have the data we need. So to me, when I'm looking at data, I mean, pretty much it's like deaths and wastewater at this point, if even that is like accurately available, those, because, you know, most deaths are going to be counted in some way or another, and they may or may not be attributed to COVID, but they're going to be counted at some point. But as far as the actual test rate, the, the testing, you know, and the number of people that are, that's not getting counted at all. I mean, you can see that in the latest data that, you know, deaths go way up and there's not an associated or similar rise in cases because I think somebody had mentioned in New York that, um, you know, they took an at-home test, they were positive, they tried to report it to the state of New York in some way or to some, you know, department, no department wanted any of that information. They didn't want anything to do with it. They weren't going to gather any of that information. So the test, you know, the testing in the individual cases is only being picked up, you know, in hospitals and only deposited once a week. And then sometimes they're clearly depositing, you know, masses of data because I've seen blips where, you know, it goes through the roof all of a sudden. And I'm like, where was that? Where was that data before? Um, So to me, yeah, I've been telling people, you know, keep an eye on the the death numbers and also wastewater where they're still monitoring wastewater. I think we saw that in New York, you know, more recently that wastewater numbers had been through the roof for like, you know, well over a couple of weeks. And so I think those are the kind of points where you might want to be, you know, even more restrictive. And then, you know, potentially the problem is we're not seeing as low of lows either. <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, we're not having those really ni- nice dips, you know, so far where, you know, especially like immunocompromised people were talking about, they would go out and get dental work done or whatever the thing was, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I think the long-term effects and the latency period and the you know, asymptomatic spread, I think those are some of the key things to me that seems like people don't still don't fully like get or know or want it's like or maybe don't want to know that's the other thing when you bring up some information sometimes people don't even it's like you didn't even say what you said (laughs) like you'll be talking about something and you'll mention a piece of information that might be helpful and it's like that piece of the conversation never even happened and they'll just move on to something else i found that uh a few times now which is also another interesting uh you know from a public health uh, perspective (laughs) of people taking on information it seems like they you know, maybe they can't even yeah. take on additional information yeah. at this point. Yeah, you had, you had, I thought of a couple of things, but uh, to your last point, I was thinking about, um, you know, we're kind of compartmentalized thinkers, you know, people don't have to worry about every, you know, some people might watch Premier League soccer, some might not, some might right. watch, you know, like we get to kind of pick and choose and, and be selective. And so I think that, I mean, COVID being this bad thing that's going to be anxiety provoking and right. i really always thought that denial was like the first off ramp you know and and that minimizers are really helping with the anxiety of the most you know kind of anxiety provoked people to just keep telling them just don't don't worry don't bother right don't even think about it it does no big deal like just you know and that that helps people um and if they don't want to put a lot of research in and like keep updating it cuz it's 
it's ugly to look at. I mean, it's it's it people in the hospitals. That's that's gory. Like, I mean, there's a reason we don't show the ICU footage, like at all. Um, you know, healthcare workers, you got being constantly at risk. So it's it's hard to look at. You don't want to. Th- you kind of just want it to be cleaned up. Right. Um, so I think that's where the the dialogue is becoming just hard hard to start with people because they might right. just say, oh, "Oh, I don't do COVID." You know, right. like I I don't even want to talk about it. I've got a couple little rules that right. you know are my explanations, and um, you know they'll deal with it when they they'll deal with it when they get sick when they get with it, when they get it. I right. mean, I think that the denial goes through long COVID. I think people are sick and dealing with malaise and different things. And they don't want to know that it's COVID. Right. Oh, um, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's just yeah. a cold. It's some little cold that they got and it doesn't have anything to do with yeah. COVID. I hear that a lot and I don't, you know. Well, now the cold, you know, yeah. There's so. There's, I mean, it could be a lot of things. Yeah, that's true. It could be a lot of things, but I yeah. think a lot of times, you know, people obviously want, that's the other thing. It's like the asymptomatic, but also people can have very mild symptoms, you know, in their acute phase. So it's like, it's a yeah. whole spectrum, which again, like you said, right. it makes it really stealth and under the radar for most people. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, and depending on when you use the test, you know, a rapid being used, someone uses a rapid really quickly and it goes not, they didn't catch it. it says, well, it's not COVID. And then you just, right. you're happy and you, you go through it. And then you realize that you're having still this, you know, infection or whatever you're having three weeks, four weeks later. Right. Um, you'll you'll never catch it again. You know, I, I just think that, you know, one of the things I'm open to is with long COVID being such a long d- disease progression. Is there a long? Is there a long pre-COVID? You know, right. are, we, are we ignoring a longer tail there? So you know, I just stay stay more open. Um, you mentioned on the deaths and the reporting. Th- this is my own little wrinkle. Like I I like to use worldometers. Right. And I don't so, you know, because they've been good. I don't check them every day, but they're good at following up with the county level stuff. Mm-hmm. So states, states are just not reporting. You know, right. I don't even think they're really showing the winter damage yet because right. so few states really reported even this week. Maybe next week will be more regular. Um, but you have to watch on there because I'm watching them. I watch kind of daily during the week, at least mm-hmm. um, not so much the weekends. Um but I, I noticed that the total is like double what I'm seeing each day. So I don't know where World of Meters is getting it. Maybe right. they're getting those state numbers from another avenue. And I'm not seeing it like posted on an individual day. But our, our total is, you know, is really is really stacking. Um, well, a lot of places are only like doing the data like every week or something now. Or I think it was like every few days. And then some places it looks like they're only posting like data on deaths like once a week or something so yeah. that's another way that they kind of you know move the data to different places to make it look you know less ongoing or you know yeah so um i was gonna say on the ppe you know just for public health like i think that we had to stick with it i think that ppe and shielding and some of the little techniques of um you know avoiding infections we people had to practice like, yeah, they're not perfect. I mean, I didn't right. I didn't like the N95 at first, but right. I remember the stages of, you know, my post nasal drip goes down or, you know, your your nose toughens up or whatever it might right. be. Um, but that that's kind of like an ongoing skill set. And I think that because of so much zigzag, we're not allowing people to just learn and get comfortable with what we need to do um, like a. I mean, you can look at like the technology adoption life cycle, 
You know, there's like the people right. who adopt and then you get the lat, you get like the second half of the tale comes in afterwards. And like, right. It seems like the government intervenes, you know, right. When we're going to start, everyone's going to do it. They're like, don't mm. do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't right. it. why, you know, stop. stop. Yeah. Like you guys were almost about to all do it and we don't want you to do it all. You know, like I, I don't, that it's felt like that. Um, so, it, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, did you have some other thoughts? I had some other bullet oh, points, but I was just going to say, I, well, they kind of reminded me a little bit. It's almost the opposite, but uh, just the way that the mandates did work at a certain point. Um, it was just odd to, because remember in the beginning they were saying, you know, Oh, you don't need to wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask. And it was completely because they were trying to pervert, preserve PPE for healthcare professionals primarily was the reason that they were saying that in the beginning. And then the thing that I thought was just kind of amazing to me, like, the day after, at least here in Minnesota, like the day after they put in place the mandates, and this was like inside buildings, this wasn't even for like every, everywhere or whatever, like almost everybody I saw was wearing a mask like that next day. So I'm thinking like, okay, they had a mask somewhere this yeah. whole time because this is like the morning, the day after they put the mandate in place. And I see people riding bicycles, other people, they're all wearing masks. I'm like, okay, so you've had somewhere you had a mask and you weren't even wearing it because they're telling you, you know, you shouldn't wear it's just like uh, it's just mind-blowing when the public health officials you know at any stage so far are ever you know like there's no reason to discourage the you know the people from wearing masks especially as the pandemic is you know continuing yeah. and there's continuing to be you know high levels of you know deaths i see i see all these signs on the i, I think i was mentioned uh i had mentioned in other um material i put out like in Illinois, there's all these signs. There's been a hundred, you know, uh, uh, vehicle fatalities already. Buckle up and drive safely, and like, don't you know, don't uh, you know, make sure to pay attention to the road. And it's like, yeah, how many COVID? Fa- it's like you're telling me all these things I need to do for a hundred, you know, driving yeah. fatalities or whatever. It's like, how many COVID fatalities have they been? There been, and you're trying to convince me not to do uh, yeah. things, and that's just like, that's. You know, it's just unforgivable from a public health uh, perspective. And, and you know, and like going to hospitals, I've read a bunch of things. And I also had my mom had a firsthand experience of, you know, in like a clinical or hospital setting, healthcare professionals telling them they don't need to wear a mask or to take their mask off or don't worry about it. Or like if they're more comfortable with their mask off, off just go ahead and take it off. And they're like, no, thank you. I'm more comfortable with my mask on. I'm not only am I in a setting with other people, I'm in a healthcare setting where people come yeah. because they're sick. So no, yeah. I don't want to, you know, I'm in a room that was had a different person in it probably, you know, maybe even 10, 20 minutes ago. Like, no, I don't want to take my mask off. Thank you. So it that's just, I just don't get that. Especially I don't get how so many like, you know, healthcare and public health people can like, I guess, I don't know, delude themselves or, are convinced maybe somehow that, that, you know, the pandemic's over. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. But. The healthcare, the healthcare people have really, it's disappointed me a little bit. I think it comes, it's very top down. It comes from the CDC. Right. I think right. that they're, they're not researching that deeply, you know, like right. they, the, the, our, our healthcare seems to have been reading the times and the WAPO and, you know, like they bought immunity debt. They're like, oh, I think, right. you know, like they, they're they not really like concerned about researching it because I think they're too busy with their stuff. I've, I've been telling myself right. I have to ignore I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for everything pre-COVID. But what they know about COVID is just not good, right. you know, for, for going forward. Like they just haven't gotten there yet. I think that 
they're a little desensitized. Oh, yeah. Um, Everybody's overwhelmed, of course, in the hospitals and everywhere else, too. Yeah. Yeah. So many have survived it. They've been sick. You know, they their kids. We hear that story. And so I think one doc told me, like, we're not going to practice in fear anymore. I was like, right. fear? Like, I just wanted to know if you had a HEPA filter. You right. know, like, it doesn't. You know, it's not so, a fear thing. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Like, so it's just, it's a little contentious. And I think that they have to buy in. You know, they, they can't break free from medical associations or the CDC. They can't just right. start going, you know, rogue. And if the information right. isn't coming down the pipe, you know. They're just like, I mean, it's basically been get vaccinated, get, you know, mm-hmm. vax and vax and packs and relaxed. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I, I had a little note on ventilation. I'm, I'm really like a weird, like, I believe in ventilation. I know, why, I know why ventilation is important, but I, I worked a little in construction. I look at some of these buildings and like people, do you know how much ventilation costs? I don't know. It's just like ventilation, if we did it, would be great. It's weird for the little people who don't have decision-making power to to argue ventilation because right. it's just not happening. Like it's either happening or it's not happening and we're not going to decide. And if we debate it, you know, they we're just giving them time. It, right. it seems to be an easier thing to debate than masks, but it's the ownership class, business right. owners, chain grocery stores, healthcare conglomerates. They're going to decide to ventilate or not ventilate. Right. So you could leave me, leave me out, you know, let me know when they decide to ventilate, you know, yeah, I just, right. I walk through the hospital and tell me when they're going to rip all the HVAC out. And if that's even going to, you know, so I'm just, it, it's weird. Like ventilation has really vacuumed up a lot of attention right now because it's easier than the mask thing. Like you mentioned, the mass tension is just, it's just outrageous. Right. You know, it's gotten so like, people hate it. You know, I have fam- family members of people who really hate the mask. They, there's so much near, it's a rabbit hole right. of like, catch me if you can of why to not mask. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, the other day I realized why didn't we were never going to get beyond a surgical, you know, like the, our hardcore maskers, people who are serious, we want to wear N95s. We want to wear right. a better respirator, but for in general, everywhere I've been, it's like, I've got to just be happy we got the surgical on. And if everybody was wearing a surgical mask, that would be like still a significant reduction in the spread of the virus. Yes. Uh, Because, you know, that's what like, you know, or even 90% of people or 80% of people were wearing a surgical mask. That would be a significant, you know, reduction in indoor spread because, you know, people wouldn't be coughing out those uh, viral particles. This is two little subtleties for the anti-maskers. Masks are bi-directional. So it's a source control model that the CDC is using for surgical source control. Hold right. it in versus PPE, which is your high filtration, which might actually protect you. But right. they kind of do this thing. They don't want to go to personal protection until it's a known infection. Right. Um, you which know, is- and I'm, so, you know, we could we could have that or not, but at least do the source control part and stick with it. Yeah. And that, you know, at, at least at the beginning when the, you know, and we got just a few minutes left, uh, yeah. but um, the, uh, you know, when nurses were talking, it's like what we've always used previously, you know, and that's the other really sad thing is the deterioration of controls, not just for COVID, but for other things, because yeah. hospital executives want to carry a lot of this stuff forward of, you know, 
you know, only mask when somebody's sick. Previously, you know, we focused on the precautionary principle, right? Like if there's yes. a chance of, you know, you getting a serious infection, then you, you know, you take precautions. That's why they're called precautions. But now, like you said, it's all focused on, um, you know, we're going to only do it if there's a known infection, even though we know that they can be infecting other people in a latency period or in a asymptomatic period or just asymptomatically in general. So it's like, you know, yeah, that's uh, that's really concerning. And I think, you know, maybe some people haven't even thought forward as far as like, you know, what is this going to mean with other, you know, diseases that uh, might be spreading in the population? I've heard some, you know, like, I don't know if right wingers or whatever, you know, focusing on, you know, as one of their arguments. Well, it's, you know, we can't keep focusing on COVID so much because it's taking away from these other things. Like when they run out of other arguments, oh, we need to, you know, because now there's not money going into these other things. But it's like, they're also trying to carry forward a lot of these same ideas of not actually fully taking precautions with other diseases either. So it's, um, it's kind of across the board, uh, you know, it's a, a battle of uh, ideas, yeah. I guess, but um, yeah, figuring out what people are willing to do and then trying to have folks do that. I mean, I think that, you know, from a public health standpoint, that's what public health people do all the time. That's uh, pretty much their kind of like bread and butter. Yeah. So yeah yeah i really like i mean um a new paper i guess i can just hope like you said from a public health that we get some more leadership from up top i think that we need more like someone to really steer the boat yeah. some more national coordination i mean you have to i think if you're trying you know this mass infection versus avoid the virus there's one article came out in the guardian today like we should aim for less infections you know right. like have a process where whatever it might be Right. We try to pin back community spread. I mean, right. even if it's hard, you know, give it a shot, give it a shot for a year. Um, you know, I was trying to push some different theories that if we just took intermittent pauses, that there's some little magical frequency that if we just pause for like five days a month, or I don't know what the time right. period is, 10 days a month, that you would slowly kind of pin it back because I think that the virus is very sensitive to NPI. You know, what we're, what we're going to see is people are about to mask real quick and mm -hmm. that's going to work, but it works too good. And then it looks safe. And then we come back out and they're like, right. take the masks off. So they keep wanting to use it on a like we, we go to maximum damage. You know, we try to see how much we can take. And then we say time to mask. Right. You know, and then take them off, take them off and then wait, see how much, you know, and I think in the background, we have to know going back to your first point, like in the textbooks people think we're going to infect our way through this. I mean, there, there's enough group of people that say, we're just going to keep getting it immunity right. and it's going to, they think it's going to disappear. They've already thought that, you know, they thought right. that last year. They thought They've that. done that eight times or 10 times or yeah. whatever now, depending yeah. on how you count the peaks. Yeah. But that that's in the back end, you know, and I, if they, if we finally let go of that, that that's not a destination, we're just doing harm. You know, we're just increasing disease burden that we're going to have to filter through the system. Um, you know, a, a national, you know, you're going to need a little something nationally. You're going to need a CDC to take the grab the bull a little bit and give us some um, some skills to to turn down infections. I mean, I, th yeah, I mean, I th there's also, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've seen the people CDC or whatever is is like a little, you know, group of people and, you know, Nobody will say whether any of those people in the people CDC are actually in the regular CDC, but it seems <laughs> likely that there is some uh, some crossover there with the more, um, you know, concerned, uh, more uh, 
wanting to, you know, like you said, keep those cases down. There's people in the CDC that probably disagree with uh, some of the uh, phrasing and some of the timing of the things that are actually coming out of the agency. So, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't put it past to have other uh, entities, you know, with good data and, you know, it seems like they're trying to be measured again, like, again, like have a good public health approach of trying to, again, figure out what people are willing to do and then move yeah. people towards those things. I think we're starting to get over because when I was first even bringing up anything like after, you know, I, can, I think like la after last January when we had, you know, like the big peak that was actually getting counted by uh, governments, like including in the U.S., I, people like had gotten into this mindset, like if you said that we weren't doing enough or we needed to be doing more for the pandemic. Like immediately they were like, okay, he wants to lock us in our houses or whatever. Like that was the immediate thing. Like the only options were either like complete freedom to go to as many concerts without masks as you want, or you're locked in your house. Even though we never really were in a full lockdown in most of the United States, I think, you know, there was like pretty strict conditions in some places in New York at certain points and a few other areas. But for the most part, there was nothing even as strict as in most of Europe um during the the COVID pandemic yeah. but it was like if you want if you want any health measures you must mean like lockdown so just like highlighting the different levels of uh risk mitigation that one can take so that people are aware of different options I think you know that's potentially a good way to start you know figuring out where people are at and what they could be uh doing that maybe they weren't even thinking about right yeah, you're right on it there. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. Just uh, just giving people a little bit of a framework so that they can start a little better. I, I kind of have, I would call it like a venture capital approach as opposed to Swiss cheese. <laughs> okay. You know, you're you're kind of like your home base in your household. You're, you're safest. You know, as you go right. out, you're taking on risk, add some safety. Right. Um, you know, I'm trying to get all the points I can get of safety because I don't want the downside outcome of the infection. Right. You know, that mean, I mean, so there's some decision making points, what you can go to, what you can't. Um, if you're willing to give something up, if the other people are being safe. I mean, that was like a pandemic 101. You're you're only as safe as the people around you. Right. So you want to try to push some safety into your sphere and, you know, push out through there. Um, you know, we're just in a very interesting point in the discourse of it. Yeah. And I think I think that's one other this is the last thing I'll say, because we only got a couple minutes left in our time is. um you know, people don't really understand, like people that are trying to mitigate their risk significantly, say, for, especially, for example, like people that might be immunocompromised or they have a, can you know, somebody who's dealing with cancer, like in their home and taking cancer drugs. Unfortunately, as other people are, you know, taking less mitigation measures, that means for that person to maintain the same level of safety, yeah. they have to take more mitigation measures. Uh, you know, they have to go to less things. They have to be less, you know, public that, you know, out, you know, with other folks, friends and family, they have to be wearing more, you know, like uh, serious protective equipment. So I think, you know, like a lot of people don't take into account that, you know, there's people out there that can't just say, oh, well, you know, the chance I'm calculating the chance at this percentage. So it's fine. I can go do whatever, because, you know, if they get it, they're probably going to it's going to yeah. be a significant disability for sure. Or it's going to, you know spell uh death for that person so yeah absolutely i think the minimizer side i think they need to come meet us halfway a little bit you know <laughs> right. would, i mean we can do the same things just sprinkle in some safe you know it doesn't have right. to be total rejection right of, um all measures 
And yeah, and I mean, I, I think that anyone can be a little bit disrailed, you know, even as much as we say, you know, certain populations are at risk, like, I wouldn't, I would, you know, it's not dicey, you want to keep rolling, you know, on a regular basis. Right. No, absolutely. And I, you know, and I think, you know, maybe we could even find some, uh, like some early adopters for the ventilation piece. I mean, there's some new uh, ideas for how to, you know, build ventilation into pre-existing buildings without, you know, yeah. too much, too much construction. So, you know, maybe we can find a few of those like smaller businesses that are willing to try it, or maybe we can even fundraise to get some of our, you know, local businesses to, to try something. So, well, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you chatting with me. Yeah. Thanks Nick, for having me on. That was fun. Yeah, have a good day. And that's our special. Thanks for listening. As always, we will have additional uh, links to topics covered in the show today and other information in the show notes. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.